this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm Anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Guilty Movie Pleasure. Hey! Hey, Guilty Movie Pleasure, friends! At me, Al Capone. Is that a good Al Capone, guys? No, I'm not going to participate in this. Oh, man. Hey, welcome, Guilty Movie there. Pleasure fans. Um, we're, we're covering uh, something this week. Uh... I'm your host, Ben Begley, and with me as always, Jesse McIntosh. And in the booth, Ryan Nilsson. And I, I just <laughs> got to say, I didn't finish this one, guys. I didn't finish this one. It was just Wait. pure scheduling conflict. <laughs> but this wasn't by choice. It was a scheduling conflict. It was a scheduling right? conflict. I'm going to finish it. And I, I can last... assure you, I can assure you, Ryan, nothing else happens. I don't know where you stopped watching. Okay. I don't know how much you have left. Okay. I can assure you nothing else happens. Before, <laughs> before we um, begin what I'm sure will be a little bit of a, a, a polarizing discussion for, for some fans of this movie, um, I'd like to start <laughs> by, by, by talking about my experience with this director's other films really quickly. And my mm. expectations of this film from the trailer. Who's the Is director? Cool? Who's the director, Ben? Jo- Josh Trank, who also did ah. Chronicle, which I loved Chronicle. The great Chronicle, Chronicle. yeah. Chronicle is one of my favorite found footage movies ever. because, And it takes the superhero genre and flips it on its head and makes it a really interesting, intimate portrait of these three friends that get powers and one of them becomes a supervillain. And I thought it was awesome. And I've been waiting for that kind of lightning in a bottle moment from this director since then he did fantastic four um, which chronicles which, the fantastic four yes it does it does i see what you did there and he uh and fantastic four i don't know if either of you saw that movie but it's like three separate movies in one and there's rumors of a lot of studio meddling there's like parts of that movie that i really dug where he was going where like I had heard rumors that it was going to be this body horror superhero movie. And I was like, Oh, that sounds cool. Like they get these powers and it's like a David Lynch, like Cronenberg weird movie. And then it abandons that, I think from studio meddling. So then when I heard about this and I was like, Oh, a dementia riddled Al Capone having like this haunted house style, like being haunted by his past and going slowly insane with these like Lynchian nightmares is what all the positive reviews were saying. I was like, I'm kind of stoked and I watched the trailer and it looked really surreal and twisted and bizarre. And, and, and there's moments of that that I appreciate 
but there's a whole lot of just meandering, literally mumbling moments with Capone just being like, so I don't know if the intention with this movie was to be infuriating to watch and, and like confounding like someone who has dementia is going through it, maybe. But I found it a rough ride with moments that I really loved that I wish they would have hit the gas on that train of thought. That's all I'm going to say for now. Jesse, hit me. Yeah, hit you. Uh, you want you want my uh, you want I want me to, to take them out. History with Josh Trank, or do you, <laughs> whatever you want, you want me to talk about this movie. Have you seen I'm, either of them? I've seen Chronicle. Okay, and I remember really liking that one. It's great. And this um, movie chronicles the, the story of Al Capone. Okay, God, you should keep doing that. You should just uh, try and make that a consistent thing for the next forty-five minutes. Uh, <laughs> Jesse's so over this movie already. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, was was his Fantastic Four the one that we did? The one that we covered? No, that was Rise of the Silver Surfer. That no, was the his one, one. Was the one with Michael B. Jordan in it and gotcha. Kate Mara. So um, I have not seen that one. Um, I have seen Capone. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So okay, we're gonna. We'll, did you know? We'll did you know anything? It. Did you know anything about it going in? Had you seen a trailer? Or anything? I'd I'd seen a trailer, um, and the the way the trailer sets it up is is they they like highlight the the FBI agent um, talking to his superiors, being like, "We don't know." if he's putting on an act or if he's like truly delusional. Yeah. Um, and I thought that that's what the movie was going to be. And it absolutely isn't that. Um, that's a really interesting idea. Um, that we took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade Two. Play it now with Game Pass. I think they could have made that work, um, yeah. and instead, uh, they they don't seem to be interested in anything. Nothing really happens in this movie. Let me, um, let and me that ask. actually, I like. I flagged that moment before you go, Ryan. I flagged that moment an hour and 15 minutes into the movie as I think the first, the very first conversation between two completely lucid, actual human beings. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's the first time that happens in the movie. And it's an hour you, and 15 you, minutes in. Are you talking about when the FBI agent goes to the other FBI agents and is like, hey, listen, you got to let me, he's got this money here. He, yeah, he goes to the FBI agents and tells them, I've been investigating. I think he has the money. I'm not sure if he's putting on an act or what. And then his superior literally says to him, we don't care about Al Capone. Yep. And then that story dies literally with Al Capone shitting his pants and them leaving. Right. And that's the right. end of that plot line. Yes. So, so you weren't a fan, Jesse. No, and I did cut Ryan off. So Ryan, if you had something else you wanted, to yeah, do Ryan, you there. saw how, where did you stop in it? Uh, I had ten minutes left. Um, and ten I'm minutes going, left. Ten minutes left. Yeah. Uh, well, the one thing I'm going to ask is, have you ever been at a Thanksgiving table and asked what Thanksgiving is? Because that happens Never. at the very beginning of this movie, 
And I just found I guess, that to be an inconceivable moment where I was like, why? Wasn't it from a little kid, though? It's from it a, was, yeah. but I was kind of like, huh? I, I, I there guess, was something about that where I was like, it, you're right. This, this, this movie has a, has a theme of setting up themes and yeah. then not really carrying them out. Where it's, that was we, like, we're going to go into the history of of being Italian and like starting this life in America. No, we're going to do this surveillance. Does he actually have dementia or not? No. And it's it's Tom it's, Hardy that's the only thing keeping you really paying attention. Is he though? Because <laughs> here, so real quick, what you just said, Ryan, interestingly, is exactly the issues with Fantastic Four, which was supposedly because of studio meddling where like it comes up, it has these cool ideas and then they just drop off. Like it starts off as these superheroes get powers and then it's like a, a body horror movie where they're like, oh God, my arms are stretching. This is horrifying. I'm growing rocks. This is scary as shit. And then that disappears. And then they're now hired guns for the government and they're stuck like being pointed in the direction and shoot. And you're like, oh, this is kind of interesting. The Fantastic Four are now like mercenaries. That's abandoned and it becomes an end of the world scenario with Dr. Doom out of nowhere. So similarly in this movie where I think like what Ryan and, Je and Jesse both pointed out, it's like if this had just figured out what the focus was, because there were so many ideas where I'd get like, oh, here we go. This is where it clicks in and starts showing me where it's going. Like either make it the FBI is trying to figure out if this is all an act and he's a criminal mastermind. And then the realization that he's just a sad dementia riddled old man. And the message of the movie is that crime doesn't pay. He's left literally with nothing in this giant empty mansion, which I love the theme of that. I love the idea of exploring this guy that has become an icon in cinema. That's been de uh, deitized is the right word I'm looking for. I believe he's been, he's like this godlike figure where people are like, Capone and they forget how awful and bloody and disgusting of a human being he was and how many people he murdered or had killed. So I like the idea of showing this godlike figure as weak and brittle as possible, but I need more of a movie than just that. And especially a movie that throws out ideas like it's almost like just throwing spaghetti against the wall when it comes to ideas where I'm like, which one am I supposed to? Like if, if they just said, forget the whole FBI thing and just made it him being haunted by his past, like a horror film. Cool. But it doesn't even do, it does that for like 15 minutes of the movie. There's one extended nightmare sequence and then another hallucination at the end, but the rest is just kind of scattered. I don't and know. I, I, just to add on to that, he's, he's barely menacing. No. So like they give us the one sort of like flurry of it at the end where he just goes on a rampage, but it's, he's hallucinating it. Spoiler he goes on a rampage. Um, but prior to that, he's kind of just sitting back watching and he like the, the, like the, the evil that comes out of him. It's, it's never delineated between like is this because he's evil or is this because he's confused mm -hmm. um i think the the scene that you were talking about ryan the thanksgiving scene in the beginning is is sort of like indicative of the problem of it all because the reason that's in there i think is like a, a rare moment 
of clarity for him. And he's like, they're trying to give us background on him. Like this is where he came from and this is why he is what he is, but they don't do it enough to show us that he's terrible. And they don't, they don't like commit to it really in either direction. Yeah, so we don't, we don't have sympathize enough... or fear him is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they like give us, they, they like could have easily done it in the text in the beginning. Yeah. Um, and they, they just sort of like set up where we start the movie there. Um, so we like, we don't care about him. And like you said, yeah, we don't care about him and we're not afraid of him. We're just sort of like left to wonder where we're at. And since it's never like, it's, it's never truly defined why we're watching the movie. Yeah. We're left sort of wondering what we're doing there. And like, we're left with the tertiary characters trying to figure out like, is what this person wants, what we're trying to do, or are we just like floating through the ether with this guy sort of like tumbling down the rabbit hole there's as i was watching this i was thinking of how like some people will defend that this as being like it it should be celebrated because it's unconventional i appreciate that a movie like this was able to get made and put out there and that somehow a movie this completely unconventional found funding but um but it doesn't mean it was an enjoyable experience (laughs) like uh also, I don't even know if it narratively works as well. Like, for instance, the, the Lighthouse was a movie that critics loved and that I went into it knowing that it may not be my cup of tea because sometimes the more, like, meandery, not really uh, plot-driven films that are just kind of people talking a lot and, and just, like, being arguing in, like, the Shakespearean way. Uh, as I was watching The Lighthouse, and this does come back to Capone, I promise, as I was watching The Lighthouse, I was like, man, I am super frustrated by this movie because I'm not finding it enjoyable. But as I'm watching it, I'm going, it's beautifully shot. The acting is incredible. And I can tell that this, I can understand why people would flip out over the the lighthouse. It's just not my particular kind of movie. I can tell that it's a well-made, well-crafted, well-acted film. This movie, I'm watching it going, ah, it's not my cup of tea. And I can tell the intention behind it but I don't understand who this is for. Right. As, as or someone who, yeah, who's like, this for? Right. Like, That's actually what I, I wanted to ask you guys. I, as someone, I didn't finish the movie, right? But so I'm not yeah. going to share too many thoughts on it. But um, I, uh, I mean, you got I, like I, 85 I'm, minutes into it. Yeah, I'm really curious, like, why you think? Because this movie got made because Tom Hardy's in it. Honestly, like, yeah. I think I, Josh Trank, awesome job putting it together. I always celebrate when anyone makes something. But I just find this such a weird choice for Tom Hardy as someone, one of the best actors working, I think top 10. Why do you think he chose to do a role like this? Especially since, I mean, is it because he didn't have to memorize that many lines? Because it's all just, and the voice he chose, it's like a mix of Cartman and Burgess Meredith as the penguin from the 1960s Batman. It's like, yeah, we we were. Uh, we were watching it when we were the Capones. And I'm just like, I don't know what, like, there's moments that lean into, like, broad comedy. And then you can tell still that Tom Hardy's a great actor because in his quieter moments when it's just his eyes acting, there's some great stuff going on. But, like, almost every time he opened his mouth, I was just like, it was such an off-putting choice for me particularly. I think maybe it's just because Tom Hardy loves doing super weird shit and, like, not being defined in a box um but he, he does have a tendency i sent you guys an article where lately he's had a tendency to get these like 
kind of mumbly roles where he just like he likes to grunt and mumble a lot and and i don't understand that choice yet i hope he doesn't veer like ryan you and i were texting i hope he doesn't veer into johnny depp territory where he starts off this great character actor and then becomes like a caricature of himself i don't think he will because i think tom hardy's too damn good um i don't know but this is actually like johnny depp made this movie he made black mass I guess ah, there yeah. is great call. There's and, like and definitely a blueprint here. And he's great in that movie. I love right. Black Mass. And that was, I, after, what, that was post weird Johnny Depp. So he like gave us a sliver of classic Johnny Depp within. Yeah. Matt Hatter stuff, but keep going. Sorry, yeah. Jeff. I know. I think what's appealing about this is the idea of someone like larger than life and so powerful and dangerous. And what happens when they become the opposite of that yeah and like how how a human being processes going from one extreme to the other just unfortunately like there isn't any foundation around that idea um and so like i I think this performance lifted and put into a movie with a narrative and a movie with like actual curiosity about the world around him would would be a lot more interesting to watch yeah, um, and a lot more engaging. But since it's not, since it's like truly just a spotlight on him and he is confused, it just leaves us confused. Do you think that a better way to approach, not, and you know, we're not the filmmakers, so I, who am I to say, and I haven't made a feature film about a gangster or anything above, you know, Funhouse Massacre. So I'm not an expert by any means, but like, as I was watching it, I was like, man, if, if only it was, if this was from the FBI's perspective and, and Capone is more like a side character that they're tracking and, and he's featured a little less and it's more about trying to figure out if he's playing them or if he's, if he is losing his mind, that would have been a a little bit more, but then again, that would have been a more conventional way to do it. But I think Jesse, what you were saying is where I hoped it was going when I started watching it was that it was more about him dealing with the fact that he used to be this larger than life figure and the tragedy in his own eyes of how he's fallen. But really it's just him sitting around the whole movie with us chewing on a cigar the entire time. And then later on a carrot and there's not like the, the other characters don't even really talk about his fall from grace. So much is focused on this $10 million that's supposedly hidden, but then not even really. And the only character he has a relationship with turns out to be a ghost. So you're like, wait, what is happening here? Ah, uh, the yeah. we have. I gotta bring up the sh- the the shitting scenes because sure he pisses himself within ten minutes. He shits himself within thirty, and then shits himself explosively within an hour. And that's the thing, like that. There was a choice in how you were going to show that. Yeah, and that it was the most explicit. Like when they pull over the sheets, it's like I didn't even know you could do that. Like what was yeah. what was happening? It went there. through his pants. <laughs> through his pants. It was and so like, forceful, <laughs> like a shotgun blast out his pants. Yeah, which I don't think. I mean, how long was he shitting before she noticed? Like that's a. It was so much shit. It was like Is the it? amount of blood from the the horse head in Godfather. Was oh that my much god! Shit. It was. <laughs> Maybe it, that's what it was for comedic. It was an homage. Yeah. <laughs> It's... If the goal, if the goal of Josh Trank was to mock and belittle Capone in his twilight years and show him as literally a shitting, just frail old man, then you did it. 
I don't know why. And not only that, but his, he has like, these must be the smelliest shits because like people are not able to contain their reaction, even to save a little bit of humility for this like fallen sure. giant. Like people are so, are Dude, just like ostentatious with their reaction. Mini Driver was crying. Like it smelled so bad. <laughs> Who? Linda Carlini. Linda Carlini. Oh my god, I said Mini yeah. Driver. Linda Carlini oh. was crying in that one scene. Yeah. She was like, it's yeah. so terrible. Oh, you oh. have it on your phone? So Neil, Neil Brennan is on his side and he's got his shirt like pulled up over his nose. <laughs> he like can't even mount a defense or even like, can you guys just chill with this? Like he's obviously like old and demented. That scene was hysterical and also super sad. And this movie was also really difficult for me because my grandma had full blown dementia and passed away from it. And so it felt like... <sighs> instead of leaning into the tragedy of this disease, it was almost like, I couldn't tell if it was going for making him a joke. Like in that scene, the way it's played is for humor. It seems like the whole movie. I just, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel. And right. And if that's your, I'm so frustrated. If that's your point as a, as a filmmaker to be like, Hey, I want my audience to not know how to feel. I guess that's a choice, but I feel like there's other ways to do it that the movie still has some through line because he's haunted by things, but then they never they never focus on anything. Just make it about him being haunted in this frail old man. It's already unconventional enough that Capone is shitting himself in dementia at Riddle. Make it a horror film where his old ghosts are coming back, which it sort of dips its toe in. But I'll speed ahead a little. Spoiler alert. The Matt Dillon character, who apparently was his best friend that he killed, the one scene where you're thinking he's going to have to atone for his sins, he kind of lets him off the hook for it, but then he gouges out his own eyes and hands them to Capone and says, everybody keeps saying, search for the money where it's wet, which has to be the swamp out back in his yard, but then it never goes anywhere. I don't, I don't understand! I don't understand! Yeah, <sighs> and the problem with Matt Dillon being a ghost is that the first time we meet Matt Dillon, he's uh, having sex with someone unrelated and receives a phone call. So like, if he's a hallucination, if he's a ghost, how, how can, how did we get that scene? How is that a scene? It should I read, be. I read an article about that actually, where, cause Josh Frank was being interviewed and he said that in the radio play that uh, Capone's listening to, um, the dialogue continues from that scene. So Capone was imagining that, but they don't make that clear at all. And even Josh Trank admits that that wasn't clear enough, that it was Capone. And also that scenario that, that implies that they couldn't have both been listening to the same thing on the radio. Like to me, that just says like he called him and now continue a shot. He's getting called here in this hotel room. Like that, that doesn't, tell me that it's in his mind in any way it just tells me like the timeline lines up i do think the more i think about tom hardy's performance i think it was a ballsy choice i don't know if it i think the reason it didn't work for me 
is more like Ryan was saying, the movie it's within is that he's not given anything more to do other than grunt and yell in Italian and, and chew on a cigar. Like if he, and there's moments where he's given little levels, but for the most part, he's literally just like kind of like, and just like drooling on himself. So I feel like I just got tired of it. Like I just was exhausted by it. Yeah. And I like, if you're going to go that route, if it's going to be him, like sort of reconciling with the life that he lived and the ghost that he's left behind, then when he's experiencing the past, he needs to be the Al Capone of the yes. past. Yes. He can't be a vegetable still because we don't know how he's processing this. Yeah. He's just watching it and he's just like frozen in time. Or give us uh, half the scene as the old Capone right. and then have him become the decrepit one and then have his own nightmare react to the frail thing he's become. When he goes into the club and they're like, hey, Capone, come up here and sing a ditty for us. And he's just like, hur, hur. the whole time we get nothing out of it. There's no emotional through line and then he's like the the woman who has sex with him his estranged son that might actually be a younger version of him i was reading in interviews that there's no evidence that tony his illegitimate son existed because he had been with his wife may since he was 18 and there's no evidence that he cheated on her so tony was a made-up character and may have actually been a metaphor for young capone but why was he calling and may picking up the phone if See, again, exist. his own hallucinations can't interact with people outside of him when he's not there. That's not the language that we all know. No. And if so, first of all, no evidence of him having extramarital affairs does not mean that the most notorious gangster in the history of the United States didn't step outside of the oath that he yes. made. That's silly. But for them to end, and again, like, spoiler for ryan but also spoiler for everyone the movie ends with this kid having a moment with him and like them sort of like him holding his hand basically and like ushering him into whatever stage is next which we assume is death which um, i actually kind of like that moment yeah okay but if that's how you're going to end the movie then that's what your movie is about yeah and like there's no evidence up to that point that that's what the movie is about. There's no interest in him at all. He says nothing. The first time we see him, he's surrounded by what I assume are FBI agents. So is he with the FBI? Is he trying to get information? Is he a double agent? Is this a genuine connection? And then every time he calls from then on, he says nothing. Nothing. So what, what are we supposed to think about this? Like, what is his relationship with this kid? What is the kid's relationship to him? Why are you ending the movie this way? It's, if it is a metaphor for him and this is like him reborn, then like maybe we need to see some of that. Well, and I guess, I guess from what I was reading in interviews and stuff is that the kid with the gold balloon was supposed to be young Capone and he's like chasing his younger self. But I feel like even that, and I guess there's like paintings in the background with like a farmhouse and a kid with a gold balloon. And so we're supposed right. to connect that. I pretty much assumed that it was either Tony as a kid or Capone as a kid, but it's never fully clarified. Should we try and do the plot in under three minutes just for the hell of it? <laughs> yes, but I will add, if, if you're gonna if you're gonna say that this is a metaphor, then give us the the Matt Dillon treatment where like yeah. you see them together, cut away, cut back, and he's gone. 
yes. so that we understand that like he is reconciling with like because it ends with him literally past. it ends yes. with him literally sitting there with his son or younger self so yes. and linda cardellini introduces him his tony so right. again apparently is everything in his head then would love to know would love to know plotting under three minutes i'll count you guys in and then let me know okay. if there's anybody in the live chat because i'd love to hear their thoughts absolutely too. guys again we're live every tuesday 6 p.m pst popcorn talk network uh, we got ryan Gedig shouting at robert oh. de niro it's saying he was so good as uh, capone and brian de palma's untouchables yes and that yeah, was a little has, bit there is one scene in untouchables if i remember right yeah, i think he's I think. getting shaved and then he has a bat and it's amazing and he beats a dude to death he has like a 10 minute sequence and it's incredible it's incredible and i think this plot in under three minutes is going to be just as incredible so i'm going to count you guys in we're going in three two one I'm kidding. I was going to do that for three minutes, but I'm not going to. Um, Okay, so we start off with realizing he's been released from jail. He's no longer a threat to society, they deem, and he's at his Florida home with his family. They're having Thanksgiving. Uh, He tells his youngest granddaughter about how, or daughter, I don't know, niece, something. We never know. uh, About uh, how he came from nothing, and he had to pull himself up from his bootstraps, and he started this whole thing for his family, and this everything was... He was never going to look back, and then once he had it, he wanted to show everybody he had it. And you get a little bit of his more flamboyant, bombastic behavior, and then um, they so, all leave. I, yeah, I guess we find out that they still owe money, so he's like maybe selling his statues. Yeah. Um. So the guy's like pulling the statues in, and he's like, "Who are you?" And he's like, "I'm pulling the statues in." And he's like, "All right." Um. And then uh, he's in the house, and he's grunting. <laughs> He starts to think that there's somebody watching him from across the swamp yeah. or lake or whatever in their bat pond. And he's going like, bah! Bah! and he has a cigar a lot and there's more grunting. And then he pees himself. He poops himself. He pees himself. Yeah. And they're like, hey, he peed himself. And, and then um, there's an FBI guy and they're like listening and, and they're trying to figure out where the $10 million is. And then his son Tony calls and, and he doesn't say anything. And there's FBI seconds there. And then Linda Cardellini's dealing with it, which actually I think this could have been an interesting story from the wife's perspective, but you know, whatever. Yep. Uh, she's dealing with it and she does a great job in it. He shits the bed. She freaks out because, you know, the love of her life at 48 years old is shitting the bed. Um, and then Matt, she doesn't know. Matt Dillon shows up. Matt Dillon gets Dillon a call, shows up. shows up. They go fishing. They go He's fishing. dressed as a woman when they're going fishing, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Uh, as they a go fishing. He catches the fish. The alligator eats the fish. He shoots the alligator. He's like, I got money. Uh, it's hidden somewhere. I don't know where it is. And Matt he's like, all right, like, oh, well, you better shit. find it. Yeah. And then you think, oh, Matt Dillon's going to play against him. And then we realize Matt Dillon's a ghost. And seconds. Matt Dillon says, hey, you shot me. And he's listening to the part in the St. Valentine's Day Massacre radio play where he shot his best friend or somebody, Johnny. And he's like, hey, I forgive you. I would have done the same. Then he carves out his own eyes, hands them to him. And Al Capone freaks out and wakes up screaming like, his eyes, his eyes there's not because it was a dream and then um, the fbi comes he shits himself again uh the the doctor came in and was like you had a stroke you have to smoke carrots now so they give him carrots they're like we can't give him carrots yeah they don't peel Uh, the carrots they just give him unpeeled carrots the doctors the doctor's trying to find the money so he's having him draw it and then Mm -hmm. um he has a nightmare sequence where he goes on a rampage killing all his own men and his and the help and then he wakes up 
Three, and he Thanksgiving, next Thanksgiving, and, one, and he's zero. sitting there with his son. So here's a and thing. I, wait. I, I do also want to point out, and again, big spoiler, right? It just came out last week. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. At the very end, they give text on the screen that says the ten million dollars was never found. So, uh, who cares about this movie? I guess is what the movie is saying. No, there's here's the. I thought of saying it's what the things. movie is saying. It's what the movie is saying. It's not what I'm saying. Here's they the put thing. the text up at the end and they say there was no money. Why did we make this? Did you did you did you <laughs> did you also notice did anyone else notice the editing was super jarring in some scenes? Like there was dialogue scenes where it would cut super fast back and forth to Capone. Like when he's talking, it would cut almost like a comedy where it's like you're expecting it to be like, hey, here's my quick answer. Who's on first? You're on second. Who's on first? No, he's on second. Who's on this? But it was like one person talking to Capone and him it just cutting very jarringly back and forth. Am I the only one that noticed that? Because it happened. I did not like, notice it. It happened like in four or five scenes where it was just so bizarre, the, the pacing of the cuts. And I hmm. thought that that was intentional to make us feel jarred. The one thing I will say is, I again, I have appreciate the idea just not the execution I, I and then there's moments where they keep teasing me like something's gonna happen like we just talked about what if this was from the wife's perspective like do a mobster right. movie about a broken mobster from the wife's perspective who has had to be this loyal cheerleader and this strong woman next to a murderous anti-hero and now she's watching this man who is so powerful and so like uh, you know, he was such a big personality. Now she's having to take care of him. That's a tragic story to me, which then gives you a human through line to sympathize with her, not necessarily Capone. And they hint at that. Like every scene Linda Cardellini's in, she's great. I would say pretty much across the board, all the actors in this movie are great. Yeah, absolutely. They're I would agree with you 100%. Fantastic. And yeah. even, even Tom Hardy's performance, which I thought was a little strange and a weird voice, Again, if he was given more to do than just grunt and shit himself, I, I would give me a break from all the just chewing on a cigar for 10 minute sequences staring. And, and I would have appreciated it more. I think it, like I said, it became the best way to describe this movie is exhausting. It's exhausting to watch. Um, oh man, I wanted to love it so much. I did from the trailer. I, I wanted gonna, to love it. I was going to ask you guys um, again, just popping in here and there just to, I want to get your opinion on something. Yeah. You know, this movie, Josh Trank, he's kind of made a name for himself in Hollywood now. He's not in, like, the best stand with a lot of studios, but it's yeah. still great. He's, like, still making things. It's awesome. I feel yeah. like this isn't the type of movie you make when you're in that position, right? Like, if you wanted to get back into, like, those types of good graces, I feel like yeah. he's very much doing his own thing. He both wrote, directed, and edited this movie, which yeah. is unusual for a lot of directors, um, or filmmakers in general. I am just curious, what do you think, like, where does he go from here? Do you think it was an, an odd choice for him to get an actor like Tom Hardy, who I just feel like is a wild horse in this movie and, like, no one's really wrangling him? Like, he's just kind of, this is Nick yeah. Cage level Yeah, it is a little Nick Cage level. Where it makes me wonder if... Um if Tom Hardy is one of those really gifted actors where he goes for it so much that you as the director have to rein him in a little. Um, but again, he's so, he's one of the top 10 actors. So who am I to judge? 
it's just this performance, like you said, it seems it, Nick Cage is a great example where like, and I love Nick Cage. Nick Cage can have some of the worst movies ever, but then you watch a movie like Mandy and it's incredible or adaptation. I don't, this movie almost feels like an F you to Hollywood and audiences after what happened to him with Fantastic Four and then losing the Boba Fett movie. This entire movie feels like a middle finger to conventions, to, to studios, to expectations, everything. And if that's what he was going for, he achieved it. If he wanted to give a big middle finger to everybody, I know he's, he's currently working on like a mini series about, I think, FDR or something like that. So he still has things in the works. And I would watch another Josh Trank film just to see. I think there's a fascinating, which I haven't said that enough yet, there's a fascinating element to this where as frustrating as the movie was, I was sitting there like, I don't know how this exists. I'm fascinated by that. I don't know, Jesse, what do you think? I, so I'm, I'm like 50-50 on this because like you said, Tom Hardy is so fascinating to watch. And I don't know that I would have changed his performance at all necessarily. I, like I said earlier, I would have when he's hallucinating back to his earlier life, maybe leaned in the direction of having him a more animated earlier version of Capone to sort of fit with what he's remembering. Mm -hmm. um, and also to give us an idea of how he's processing, um, like ha just have him able to process things, <laughs> I think is important. Um, but I think, and, and this is not to say necessarily that you cannot make a good movie if you're writing, directing, and editing, if you're doing all three. But the problem that, that presents is that there's no other voice there saying this isn't working like no. conceptually i think i think it a lot there like we've said sort of throughout there's a lot of stuff there like there are interesting ideas you have a great actor playing a monumental figure like an interesting version of that figure so you have a lot of elements here you have a really good cast you're everyone's giving good performances it might have just needed like this happens to everyone it happens to me all the time when i'm writing oh, yeah. something i get stuck in what i'm writing and i don't i don't i can't see any other way for yeah. it to go and i give it to someone else and they say just fix this and i'm like oh yeah that makes perfect sense like i think you might have just needed another set of eyes to be like we need a human being avatar in this movie to tell us what we should be interested in and what we should think mm -hmm. um and i think he might have just gotten two sort of laser focused on what he thought was interesting which is an interesting aspect of it but it can't be like the full focus unfortunately yeah because then it doesn't it, it's one thing to have an unreliable narrator like you, when you watch todd phillips joker with joaquin Phoenix, he's an unreliable narrator but there's still a through line to it there's still a human character a human character behind joker and we get to know him more in his tragedy and i feel like this movie almost assumes that you all have a Wikipedia knowledge of Al Capone and everything so that we, we already can judge uh, how we feel about him and how we feel about his crimes and his past and just go. Like, it doesn't give me anything to, to glom on to to make me know how I'm supposed to feel about him in this movie other than just kind of like sad. And Sure, sure. And I would say like a step further from unreliable narrator is an unresponsive narrator. Like yeah, yeah. he's he's just like there and it like literally for half an hour of this movie, he's a vegetable. Like he's not 
reacting and you can see when they give you the close-ups of his eyes and just in his face you can see that the wheels are turning yeah. but we don't we never see like the product of that or we never see like how he feels we just see that he is feeling and we don't know how he feels and anytime characters actually interacted i started really enjoying it again like when the doctor came and the doctor was trying to get him to draw a dinosaur or a shark or platypus or whatever and then he's like money and you're like oh now the doctor's trying to get this 10 million and then he covers it up but then that's dropped completely um mm -hmm. or the i wanted more dream sequences the moment where he's walking around the house and he sees the fbi agent on the phone behind his curtain and they just lock eyes was a super yeah. tense was a super tense weird moment where i was questioning like is this really happening or not i'm like i can't be really happening but i'm convinced that maybe it is or the whole extended saint valentine's day massacre scene again if they showed us in the beginning him and then and then he deteriorates in that moment but that was still an interesting sequence where he comes out and he starts climbing over a pile of dead bodies that were left in the wake of what i assume was something he did or was i but i don't know enough about capone to know if in that scene those were guys that shot his men or men or his guys who shot up. I didn't know if he was climbing over his own men's bodies or people that he, I was confused, but I at least found it visually interesting. And I think if he leaned into the Lynchian horror stuff and like the Cronenberg aspect of it more, it's fascinating to, to me to tackle dementia as a body horror film. And yeah, like yeah, yeah. How horrifying that can be. And so every time that those kernels of things came up or like the alligator at the end, like any of that, I was like, oh, do more of this. And then it would go back to just like, um, or, 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 or moments where like his brother-in-law or whoever the guy was, I don't know, a family member mm -hmm. uh, and him were talking and it like the tragedy of him sitting there and being like, oh, he pissed himself. Like, what do we do with this? You know, there's so many good ideas. They just go, <laughs> but again, maybe that's the point that like all these ideas are like dementia where they're just going away. That's an I that's a theme to go with. I don't know if it works. So yeah, ah. if if that's I here's just from watching this, my opinion yeah. on that is if if what you're most interested in is a Lynchian version of someone spiraling into their own dementia using Al Capone is maybe not the way to do that because there there is like he's a real human being and there are things that people know about him and those things as you said ben those things vary person to person like how much you know and the detail that you get into um but like just having that information about someone makes you makes you want to know more about what's going on with them and where they're at within the context of like their greater story Whereas if you're just doing a story about someone who has dementia and it's just like Joe Schmo, then you can get away with a lot more stuff of like, here's, here's how they're falling and here's what dementia is like. Yeah. Um, because you're not wondering about like the rest of it and why you're not seeing the rest of it. You know what I'm, I mean? I was also more fascinated with just the fact that, that I didn't re I thought, I always thought Al Capone died at Alcatraz. I thought he died in prison. I didn't realize he was let out and died a lonely old man in a, in his Florida mansion. And, and to me, like the, the mindset behind just letting this dude out and then still allowing guys, the feds watching him, 
and listening in and still armed guys walking the premise at all, premises at all times. And that not being <laughs> something the FBI cares about is I, there's something interesting to explore there in, in, in the inability for the FBI to even follow through like, well, he's an old man now who cares. And it's like, yeah, but there's still a criminal empire feasibly in place. You know, it's just like leaving things unattended that seem to be needed to be attended to. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I do want to go back because the scene that you highlighted where he's in the bathroom and he pulls the curtain back and the FBI agent is oh, there. Oh, it's in the shower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah, um, That gave me like really strong, a beautiful mind vibes. Yeah. Um, which is a, just sort of another example of someone sort of like drowning in his own psychosis but like that's a situation where we get a lot of opinion from him and feel the urgency of that from someone who who we don't believe to be compromised we believe that he has his full faculties yeah um so just like that struck me in that scene because that's such a strong image such a strong scene but it just made me nostalgic for a different movie unfortunately i i love the nightmare sequence at the end the, the hallucination he has where he just takes a gold plated uh, Tommy gun and starts shooting up yeah, all his health yeah. and stuff. Cause like, cause at the moment I was like, I don't know if this is real and he's doing a Tarantino where he rewrites history or if this is fake, but I thought it was crazy. And like, I feel like dealing more with that, with like him lashing out violently in these hallucinations against people he loved or that he was close to at one point, that whole sequence, just seeing Al Capone wobble, uh, just, bobbling around with with a giant saggy diaper and, <laughs> and a gold-plated machine tommy gun was both funny and kind of like this horrific moment which i loved and i was like oh d- damn it like it was that scene in the saint valentine's day massacre scene where it's like i wish the movie was more of these two because these yeah. moments are so good and then the, where he falls back in the water and the alligator comes and bites him and then he ends up in italy with the kid with the gold balloon and i'm like what i don't know how am i just when you thought i thought i was supposed to feel something i don't know what to feel again yeah (sighs) i mean i i wish i wish the movie started with the scene that i was talking about earlier with the fbi agents yeah um like i i just wish that it started there and it gave us some sort of like what is reality yeah um just to latch on to uh and gave us like you said gave us more al capone caponing um even if it isn't a hallucination or even if yeah. it isn't a memory just suppose that with his vegetative state in real life or in real life just have him have like on and off flashes because i'm sure yeah. that he wasn't just like just non-responsive for an entire year i'm sure that he had moments where he was like Lucid. able to communicate yeah. And like, yeah, we never um, get a moment either where he's like, he's almost remembering something. And then he has that frustration that comes with dementia where like my grandma would get super angry when she couldn't remember right, anything, or right, like super yes. sad. There's never really a moment where we connect emotionally with him where he's like starting to remember something like the movie still Alice with Julianne Moore heartbreakingly handles dementia. And I just wanted like one moment where they humanize him beyond just this lump of kind of like disgusting body horror, you know? We got I, a, think, I think that's... So I was going to say, we got Niner for Life in the chat saying, I loved it, but really wish it was about his earlier years, like when he was the head of the Chicago outfit 
and he would have been badass in his prime Tom Hardy's performance that is yeah he loved the movie this movie though yeah Niner for Life was into it but he would preferred it being about his younger life I'm so intrigued with uh what 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 worked for him uh I I because I'm I I literally I really want people after this to if they loved it to tweet at me why they loved it because I'm I'm still processing it and I'm still trying to convince myself that I liked it more than I did again. Cause I loved elements of it a lot. Just yeah, nothing cohesively. I, I think they tried to do what you were saying, Ben, with the, with the peeing himself scene. Yeah. Um, like humanizing him. That's the only time that he really like reacts in a way that, like a recognizable human being would react where he's yeah. just like, he doesn't know what to do. And he's like, should I get up? And they're like, no, 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 stay. When we get you some new pants, yeah. you're fine. Everything's fine. Everything's super fine. sad scene. Yeah. Like that scene is tragic. And then when the two like shitting himself scenes, I don't necessarily feel like it had that. That was more for a reaction, I guess, or more like illustrative. Yeah, the one um, with his wife was gross, and the one with the lawyers was hysterical. Yeah, he, <laughs> like, he was just, like, squirming, but it wasn't, like, embarrassed. It was just, like, it's happening. It was like, well, no, well, here we go. Yeah. Here we go. Right. And again, like, the FBI comes and is like, hey, we know you hid the money. Just tell us where it is, blah, blah, blah. And I love the guy that played the FBI agent. He was in Fighting With My Family. And then the guy who plays Al Capone's legitimate son is on Shameless. So there's all these incredible actors and incredible elements. I, I would, I still stand by that I would watch another Josh Trank film just because I'm fascinated to see what he comes up with next. Um, but yeah, just for me, it was, it was a rough ride. And the carrot thing became so ridiculous, like Wesley Wabbit, which like an Elmer Fudd type thing almost. Um, and I, I enjoyed it for a little bit. And then when he choked on it, I thought that scene, I couldn't tell if in the scene where he chokes on the carrot, I'm supposed to where I'm supposed to stand emotionally on anything. Yeah, we like, we almost got there because they're, they're building it a little bit when he's like walking around in diapers with a carrot. Like, I feel like that's where, what we're building is like little by little taking his dignity away and replacing yeah. something that he should be, uh, or he he should be dealing with with like a uh, sort of facsimile or uh, sort of like demeaning him little by little by little by little until is he even living a life anymore? Like yeah. that's also sort of an interesting idea. Um, but we just had the diaper and the carrot. I like wish there was there were more things where in that last scene where he's like gunning everyone down, we could look at him and be like, wow, yeah, he went from here to here in a matter of us watching him, and I didn't even notice. Yeah. That's a great point because the beginning scene where he's at the Thanksgiving table, he still has his faculties about him and he's just slowly starting to slip. But then like the next scene, he's a vegetable and he's a vegetable for like the rest of the movie. Yeah. So yeah. let it be a slow decline to vegetative state instead of just vegetable from the beginning. I think there's like maybe a few more scenes where he says a little bit, but then the lion's share of this movie is just grunting and all with his eyes. Um, again, I may, I may one day revisit this movie just to see if, if our Twitter fans can convince me that they loved it, I'll revisit it. That's your, that's my challenge to you fans. Um, man, I don't even know what else you did. You did buy it. (laughs) Ah, God. Well, here's the thing. It was $9.99 to rent or $12.99 to buy. So I was like, man, sure. Well, I, I will, I will, I just want to reiterate also that 
uh, like we've said it a couple times, there are a lot of really interesting things in yeah. this movie. And I like there there is a track record there from Josh Trank where I would say like this could have worked. And if like I would watch other stuff that he did, mm -hmm. um, just like w maybe with another pair of eyes on it, because there's like so much good stuff there. Yeah. Just like a slight adjustment, two degrees to the left. I agree. Just shift perspective slightly, or just a new something or other in there. Yeah. Like there, it could have been really, really good. I think. I don't um, want this to be so a yeah. shit. I don't want this to be a shit on Josh Trank train at all. And I'm not trying. No, to not at all. Um, not at all. I think I think this movie feels like a reaction to Fantastic Four. Like I said earlier, like it feels like he was so burned on that that he was like, "Screw it, I'm doing this my way." No one else is telling me what I'm going to do. This is my movie. This is my voice, which is cool. And I, I respect that. I'm just like you're saying, Jesse, maybe next time do it your way, but have a voice you trust, a voice that you trust that can guide it in case you're getting kind of stuck in, in this kind of one mode. Because I do think he's talented. I do think he got great performances. I think he has moments that are some really cool moments. I just think it's about finding somebody who can help you hone wherever you want to hone it in a little bit more. Yeah. So like I said, I hope that Josh, if you're watching this, um, I don't know how you would be. Maybe, maybe you're watching this, <laughs> Josh, if you've made it this far, we're not, we are fans of yours and we want to see the next thing. And uh, I appreciate uh, that you took a risk with this. I definitely do. Jesse, what do you rate this? Um, I, unfortunately, I'm going to have to go, on our scale from guilty but awesome, guilty movie pleasure, guilty but terrible, I'm gonna have to put this in the guilty but terrible. Yeah, it's, I think right now my initial gut reaction is guilty but frustrating. So somewhere in between terrible and pleasure. Yeah. But yeah. I feel like this movie has the potential to gain cult status. Like, a, like it's a much better movie than The Room. It's a much wet, more well-constructed movie than The Room but I could see this being such a bonkers weird film that people watch it and talk about it for years just because it's so out there. So I, I think it's guilty, but frustrating with cult status written all over it. Ryan, what do you think? And the 80 minutes you saw. I, I, I don't know if I can do a full rating cause I, I like to see completed work. So I might withdraw from that, but I do love what you guys were saying. I think this is like, it's an interesting study of this past two movies where Fantastic Four, Fan Four Stick had too many cooks in the kitchen and this just didn't happen. I love that. It's called Fan Four Stick. Fan yeah, yeah, Stick. yeah. I think, uh, I honestly think filmmaking, you need, you need the right amount of cooks in the kitchen to make a great movie meal. You know, you, you don't need, you don't need a hundred, but you, if you have one person Look, uh, uh, I'm not even going to bring up the prequels, but right. But uh, I get in trouble. Speaking of meals, I can't up. wait to see what uh, what what our chat devoured with this movie. And yeah. please put oh. it down below what you thought. Comment below, hit that like yes, button, please. go on iTunes, leave us a review. And uh, thanks for Thank watching. Good to be pleasures. That. Yeah, buddy. And until next time, where can they find you, Jesse? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Too Much Jesse for sketch at the Prom Losers. Ryan, where can they find you? Find me at Ryan Nelson on Twitter and Instagram. How about you, Ben? You can find me at the Ben Begley on Twitter and Instagram, and you can find us at Guilty Movie Guys. So please hit us up. I want to know what you thought of this movie. If you saw it, if you're planning on seeing it, please let's keep the conversation going because this movie is a conversation starter. That's for sure. We'll be back next week. Until next time, what is your guilty movie pleasure? From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, 
and the entire Popcorn Talk Network. We would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network.